Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gifts of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Guest of Freedom. I'm stationed here in Kansas City, Missouri, where I am the president of the Midwest Afro-American Genealogical Interest Coalition. Our guest tonight, actually joining us, is Karen Jones Meadows, and we're coming to you via www.blackhistoryblog.com, where the Gist of Freedom is celebrating, along with the state of Delaware, the Harriet Tubman Day, March the 10th, declared by the governor of Delaware as her day. The Gist of Freedom is right there with him. Are you with us yet, Miss Jones, Miss Meadows? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Time? Glad you could join us. Thank you so and, much for uh, having me. Yes. How did you get into being a scholar and interpreter of uh, Harriet Tubman? Well, actually, it started quite a while ago. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the then executive director of the Afro-American Cultural Center asked me to create a living portrait of black history. And I could choose whoever I wanted. And so I chose Phyllis Wheatley, Lorraine Hansberry, Queen Nzinga, and Harriet Tubman. And Harriet Tubman became the most popular um, piece that I did. At that time, it wasn't written. I learned their lives. I learned the period that that um, correlated with what they were doing in the history the beyond just the individuals, but everything that was going on around them. And I would do it extemporaneously. So my performance would be between 20 minutes and an hour or so, and then I would take questions and answer in in um, character. And then later, later on, I was asked by Ron Milner to write a children's version. And so I went to write it. I figured, you know, I know this. I've been doing it a long time. I, But I found myself doing history, going back and doing some more study because that's how I am. And to the point that I decided, well, if I'm going to do this much research again, I'm going to write a general audience um, piece. And so that's how this Harriet's Return was born. <laughs> and it's interesting because I'm in Detroit, and that's where Ron Milner was, and that's where he wanted the um, a piece that he could tour in the school. So it's quite interesting that this, that's where I performed this weekend, which is the 100th anniversary for passing. And I was at the, uh, a museum, the Charles Wright Museum of African American History. So it feels significant and serendipitous. <laughs> and your show is called Harriet Returns. Harriet um, Return. Harriet Return, based upon the legendary life of Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why don't mm-hmm. you give, uh, would you be so kind to give our listeners a taste of your performance now? Okay, I will. Um, I, I asked Leslie what she liked, and she, she told me two pieces. So, 
I actually went, I'm gonna I'm gonna do when she first meets John because I like that piece and then I'm gonna do this other piece that that Lindsay likes. So this is the first time we see her grown because we've seen her as a as a little girl, we've seen her as a teenager when she got hit in the head and, and was very upset. And this and this is when she's first a woman. A man I'd never seen before come walk around the edge of the plantation. I ain't never seen no black man walk like that. His tattoo, the most finest of anybody I know. Rachel was planting flowers and me, pulling weeds. She see me looking at him saying, he free. He don't want you. I draws myself up and waves my weed and laughs. <laughs> like I see the slaveholder women do with their handkerchiefs to show their finest. Don't ever imitate somebody because you just come out looking like a fool. That man keep walking, eyes straight. But every day, he comes following the same path. And every day, I try a little something new. I tell you one thing, if I want to marry one of them men live on the plantation, I sure could have, because they was flocking. Every time I do something so that man catch it, one of them other men see it. I get no kind of wrong tension. I got to get help, because ain't the oldest one looking at him or smartest than nothing else worth noticing either. Roberta, oh, Roberta know how to get married. Before she done it, five, six times. Roberta, puff on her pipe, say, Harriet, get you a piece of his shirt and make it to a quilt with the shirt piece right. Snap to the middle. By the time you finish his making it, that man be yours. And you use that quilt, cover your wedding bed. Ooh, I got to find out where he live in a hurry, don't you know, because there's a race going on. Me and my friends, we up on the hill overlooking where he lives. We ain't supposed to be off the plantation for nothing, so we got to hurry up. He got a red shirt hanging out on the line. I'm supposed to run down, pass his cabin, get a piece of that shirt, and get back up here without passing out. While she's trying to figure how to do this thing, here comes thunder and lightning cracking over our head. And unless this man a fool, she's going to come take his clothes off of the line. My friends are threatening to leave because they don't want to get wet or caught for nothing. I run down that hill so hard and fast, I rip the dress. Grab a piece of that shirt, what would sit right over his heart. Good long piece. Red piece flying in the wind behind me as it takes off back to the corner. Woo-wee! That was fun. Now, I think it's going to take about a year to make this here quilt. And then she goes on from there. <laughs> okay. Now, that was uh, when she... Her first husband was, uh, was it John Tubman? John Tubman. That's when she first sees him and likes him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and then, uh, what year was and that, then, and how soon after did they marry? They married um, pretty soon after that. I'm trying to remember. You know, because I did the research a long time ago, my my, my years are not there, but I can find that very quickly. Um, okay. Because right now, you know, I now do the story. So the facts, I have them all, but I haven't kept them in, in, in my mind the same way that I would have if I, if I were just doing, you know, I wouldn't say just, but if I'm doing a historical presentation, 
then I would keep the dates and stuff, but I don't keep the dates like that anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not all that important that we have uh, um, the dates. And, and then Leslie likes, you know, she had help, and so I have a piece about the Quaker woman, and then I also have a piece about when John, when she goes to get John, and and he's married to someone else, and it breaks her heart. Okay, uh, so you her heart have, was mm-hmm. Which one of those pieces are you going to do first now? You tell me, which one would you prefer to hear, you tell me? Well, we've already heard about John. Tell us about Right, uh, so let's do the let's Quaker see. woman. That's what I was thinking, yeah, too. Quaker okay, woman, that's yeah. it. All right. <clears throat> She had, she had a brother named Benjamin, so. Brother Ben saying, don't get, I'm, 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 I'm going to set, set this up a little bit. She's obviously, it, she's itching to go, and she's got encouragement. We have a we have two characters called Mama and Papa Drake, and they're sort of the spiritual um, uh, guide for her in the play. And they've told her, you need to find your purpose first, then get somebody to love. And so she's she's been thinking about freedom. She's talked about freedom with John. She talked about it with her her father, but not with her mother because her mother does, doesn't like the freedom talk so much. So this is after she's been thinking about it and just had an altercation with somebody. Okay. Brother Ben say, "Don't get killed and break your mother's heart. Get it looking like what you waiting on, and ain't being helped none by this white woman." sits in a buggy outside the fence near where we work the horses. She fancy dress, wear a big bonnet. Once in a while, she set up a little paint station, act like I'm making pictures, but mostly she got her eyes on us. Cora says she's sizing up the place, going to buy it. John says she a Quaker woman come to start trouble between the slaves and the masters. I don't say nothing like, oh, you don't think you already got trouble, John? I just ask. What a Quaker. He say a legend of fire. I believe I could be one of them. So I got Mike, the horse with me, grooming, and kind of hand over to where she's doing her painting. And looks proper past her, brushing Mike a little too hard, and asks, Ma'am, is you buying this place? She get up, act like her looking for something in the glass come completely over, say, no, Harriet, how you know my, the scar, I know it's everyone here. Cora say Matthew Stewart, when her off once when she's stationed by the river, come asking everybody if she say something to him. She must not know. She here now, cause she only got to overseas, think we love him so much, we won't want to leave. I had heard her Putting palms, but this is my first time. Because if I'm wrong, ma'am, what might you say to one of us? Matt Stewart wouldn't want us to hear. She say, beyond the bridge is a white house with green shutters. There is a very fine place to be for a free soul such as thee. Then she go back to what she doing. Cora asked her what she said. I don't know. Her talk funny. I couldn't understand her. I hate to do that to Cora, but I learned in the trust my instinct, which telling me don't tell nobody nothing. 
accepting them voices, which without no word is pushing me in my mind and heart. I pondered hard next couple of days. Hello? Yeah, well, yeah, that was, you had me mesmerized there <laughs> with that performance. That's what I mean by, you know, I it's all incorporated now, so that's why, you know, we ask about dates. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Not, yeah. Not, not, not anymore. <laughs> We've been listening to Karen Jones Meadows, playwright and actress, uh, performing her one-woman show, Harriet Returns. Um We've been visiting with her in reference to Harriet Tubman, Harriet Tubman Day in Delaware and Maryland and other sites across the United States. And she has a performance coming up uh, April the 5th. And what city was that in again? It's in Randallstown, Maryland. It's part of Baltimore County. It's going to be at the Randallstown Community Center. That's where it's going to physically be. But it's in it's in cooperation and in in conjunction with the seventh annual day of honoring Harriet Tubman that the Emmett Pearson Safe House sponsors. And as I said, Shirley and Jeffrey Supic are the caretakers there. And that phone number, if you want information or tickets or to visit the Safe House, which is incredible and they're amazing people, is 410 410- Six five five seven eight two one, and there's okay. and there's a okay that's that's and and their address is in Rockdale, Maryland. But if, but if you go to their website, which is Verizon dot net EP Safe House, but just you know you you you, you can find them. It's the EP Safe House, um, and then Supit. Um, that piece you just did for us uh, was called Quaker Woman. Uh, how significant were the Quakers and her her own escape, and then and their assistance and her helping other slaves escape? They certainly were, were significant. One, one one of the things about this piece when when Harriet goes to the safe house, because I learned this, you ask me things I've learned along the way. So I always was taught and knew that Quakers uh, embraced African descended people and believe that everyone should should be free. Well, I found out when I was doing the research, not necessarily, yes, we should be free, not necessarily into mixing and mingling. So when she gets to the safe house, she, um, um, and yes, it was significant to answer your question throughout. Um, but when, when when she gets to, to the safe house, one of the things I did, which, which I uh, think is significant, she tells them, you know, I can join your religion. I wouldn't mind joining a fighting religion like yours because that's how she perceived them. And the woman says, no, for obvious reasons. So you can't join us. You can't be one of us. You know, we'll help you get where you need to go, but you can't be here. And that surprised me. And so I thought it was important to put it in the play. And it doesn't take away from, you know, the masses of people and and, and so many who were uh, helpful and did believe in freedom for all people, but we have to put things in context. The other thing I found out is that Harriet also helped to free some of the indentured servants who were sent here from England, and she took some of them on the path. That's not in the play, 
but I've done a screenplay, and it's in the screenplay. And um, I'm, 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 I'm working on getting, on getting that done. I'm going to record the play. It's just hard to record a play that's straight a play because plays are plays and, and visuals are different. Or, you know, film and TV, it's just different. And so I've had to enhance it. But the screenplay, I really open it up, and it's got all kinds of characters. It's not a one-person screenplay. It's a big screenplay with everybody and um, a lot of details, and I'll, I'll find out where, where her Bible is now. Let me put it in there, because <laughs> so, now you made me want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised that the Quakers would not want her to join them. Uh, in my research as a genealogist, I've come across Quakers who were slaveholders, mm-hmm. uh, left Pennsylvania, went into the South, and became slaveholders themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned so many things, um, and I was again, I, I was surprised about the indentured servants, and and thought that was very, very important. And Harriet, Harriet, she oh, she was a raconteur. I didn't say that. And she used to travel and speak, and she was shy. And actually, Mrs. Pope Johnson told me, you know, you never see a picture of her smiling, and she told me it's because she didn't have her teeth, and she didn't like people to know that, and she didn't like to show that. And I thought that was that's important, that's significant. She um she felt bad about that, you know. Mm-hmm. And as most of us would and most of us do. So her um the the humanity, those things that all of us are concerned about on occasion did not take away from um her power or her mission or her purpose, but it was there like with any of us who want to look at our best and, and, and be perceived and seen in, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been informed that Harriet Tubman's uh, personal hymn book, 1876, is housed at the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. Well, that's uh, great. I'm glad to know. Thank you. <laughs> so we just found that out. Okay. Um, now, you mentioned, let's see, your phone number was 505 867 0857 for anyone who may want to contact you. And what's that email address again? On Purpose, now O-N-P-U-R-P-O-S-E-N-O-W at C-S dot com. Okay. And you're also on Facebook? On Facebook, Karen Jones Meadows Now. You have to add the now. (laughs) You have to add the now on Facebook. Yeah, Karen Jones Meadows now. Okay. Mhm. And uh, you mentioned a web page. KarenJonesMeadows dot com. It's actually being revamped right now, but it it it, it will soon be up. And so, if you want to contact me, if if you go there, I think my phone number and and I know my phone number and I know the email is there, so you, you'll still see something there, but it's not the full web page right now. You you can actually see a lot of pictures and and some information about Harriet on the Facebook page, so the Karen Jones Settles Now page has quite a bit there. I, okay. I I have to tell you today, you know, being in Detroit, um, I've not been to Detroit before. The last time I was here, I was 11 years old for so 15 minutes, so I I knew nothing. And I had uh, the honor of spending some time with Kimberly Simmons, who is doing this Detroit River Project. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so so you know about So she took me around today. Yeah, and it's been a guest on Guest of Freedom. She told me. 
and I, I got to see the Underground Railroad monument. I've performed in Battle Creek, so I saw Ed Dwight's monument there in Battle Creek, Michigan, that the Kellogg Foundation um, uh, commissioned. And today I got to see the one he did here, and then there's a sister to it across on, on the Canadian side, I found out. And so that was wonderful, and it's, it's beautiful. And the Underground Railroad history, just what I was able to learn today from the Simmons was, it's just amazing. And so uh, I'm, great, I'm grateful for that. I'm really glad to be here. And also that museum is great. The, um, the, uh, the Charles Wright Museum of African American History, which I understand is the largest African American museum in the world um, is quite amazing as well. So I've I've been quite fortunate. I've been fortunate this weekend to be here and and participate in this and, and learn Karen, a lot. You were going to give us another little taste of Harriet Return. Give you taste. All right. So I'm going to make you choose again because all right. So I have there are two Civil War. I'm going to use some scenes in the play. And so I can do one of those or I can do the very end of the play, which is a call to action on behalf of all of us. So you choose which one you think you'd like to do. Oh, the call for action. Okay. I, I, I thought that, but you know. <laughs> okay. In 1896, Nelson died in 1880. I goes to Washington, D.C. to help organize the National Association of Colored Women. When I stand to speak, they jump to their feet and wave their handkerchiefs and claps like thunder for the longest time. Called me Mother Hag. Me, who ain't had no children is the mother to all of these now. Them kids wasn't fucked, no sir. Then, I'd be Wells, one what was fighting again lynching. Her and her baby blowing to me like a baptism. This woman, I can't call her name, say, the oldest is meeting youngest and passing the wisdom to the one in between. It was a grand crowd. I realized, standing there, the house I had a picture of was mine. The freedom, the respect, the husband, the friend, all mine. Maybe not the way I planned it, but I have a lot to remember and make me feel worthwhile on this earth. All that been in me, we use voices now. And we hear your call, and we try our best, and we asking y'all, do y'all, because some of us, oh, we real tired. And all y'all, y'all powerful yourself. Let me see. Even I can recognize some y'all. Because you know we recycle 
that constitutes reincarnates, whatever you want to call it. You look like Greg Rewarders. One help us with the bigger book that time, you remember? Catherine Henderson, that's you? Mm, that's her. She got her hair all pretty. Now look at her. Uh-huh. What's your name, darling? Say your name. That's Linda, y'all. What's your name, baby? That's Preston. I'm talking to Preston. Who else know who he is? Say your name. Everybody, say your name out loud. Now put something in your heart you want to do, and you do it. You fix it to your mind, and you do it because you the one. You the ones, y'all. You the one. We the ones. We the ones. We the ones. We the ones, 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 we the ones. That's it. <laughs> oh, boy. That's so much imagery coming up that you were um, performing that. Um, most notably, the March on Washington, uh, led by Dr. King, and I was thinking about Malcolm X, and the Million Man March, and um, just so many things, uh, so much imagery coming up in that process, and it seemed Miss uh, Tubman was very active. Um, well, Miss Tubman comes right through. I go sit down somewhere and she takes over. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, Karen. We got another caller. This is Kim Simmons in Detroit. Oh, hi. <laughs> I just called to say I spent a lovely day with uh, Karen today. And she promised that she'd come back to Detroit and learn a little bit more about us. And I hope she lives up to that promise. I heard her performance yesterday was spectacular. I did not personally get a chance to go. But when I heard that, uh, Preston, you were actually uh, the host tonight, I said I would call in and say hello to both of you. Well, <laughs> you did, and hello to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, things are going fairly well and i think that uh, i have uh, made a new acquaintance and a new um a new opportunity and maybe Karen will come back and help me do some of the work here in detroit okay do you have a shout out for leslie there absolutely i'm no, i'm sure <laughs> leslie i'm sure leslie is listening and i've uh, sent her several messages today so um maybe i can get everyone to come to detroit we'll do a live blog t- blogcast from detroit Okay. Well, will that you have an event coming up there in Detroit in the near future? We we do not. I actually am doing a. Uh, I've done several um, presentations here locally at some of the local uh, community colleges, but we are putting on in August a uh, an event on the commemoration of the Emancipation Proclamation. And I'll keep Leslie informed on that. We uh, actually did an event here in Detroit on the sixth of January. It was held at uh, Historic Second Baptist Church, which is the well-known, noted last station before you cross the river. And we actually did a celebration of the commemoration on the 6th of January. It's exactly 150 years to the day when the Emancipation was read there. And we're intending to do uh, a bigger performance uh, come August. So stay tuned. I'll make sure that everyone knows about it. We appreciate that, Kim. We have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Karen? Yes? This is Shirley. Hi, Shirley. <laughs> Hi. 
Karen is going to be at our safe house, um, the Emmert Pierpont Safe House, on April the 5th. And we are very, very lucky to have her. Okay, thank you thank for that information. Thank you, Shirley. Oh, Shirley. Yes, our safe our safe house was actually built in 1791, so the history is long. But um, and the house was moved two times to preserve the history. And although Harriet Tubman never went through our house, um, our house is very special because it has a symbol which most houses, most safe houses, did not. Um, because of the secrecy of the Underground Railroad, having a symbol could almost mean your defeat. But because this family was so well-loved in the neighborhood um, and for all the good work that they did, um, everyone looked out for them. And so they had a symbol in, in the basement where you lifted the door and the freedom seekers would come through and feel the race symbol and knew they had reached a safe haven. Um, the brick, we still have the brick, the original brick, which I hope one day will go into the uh, Smithsonian's African American Museum uh, outside of Washington. Um, also, um, because everybody wanted to touch it, we had to make a replica. <laughs> you can't touch something that is 150 years old or more. Um, but um, it is a sim- it's a beautiful symbol. Um, John Hope Franklin, who never got to see the brick, he was hoping that he would. He passed away last year. He has written many, many books on the story and history of African-American life and and, and slavery. Um, he, when he heard about the brick, he said it is probably the only one in existence today. So it is, it is a very valuable thing, and um, we're very lucky that we still have it, that it is preserved for all time. Um, I invite anybody to come to the safe house and stand on what we call hallowed ground, um, uh, where freedom was found, uh, where people were protected. Um, our house had four people working in it, where the average safe house only had one. Um, ours had a husband and a wife and um, a conductor. Uh, the husband and wife, that was the station master and his wife, and the conductor and his wife, um, all four of them worked together. The two wives were actually sisters, the Zimmerman sisters, and they actually raised money to buy the freedom of Worthington slaves. They were slaves in the area that belonged to a man named Resin Worthington. Um, those two women actually raised money to buy the freedom of the slaves that belonged to Resin Worthington. So, you know, you had four people working together. This was a tight bond. Um, the Emmert family was so good in the community, and their house was one of the first ones that was built in the community, that um, <laughs> everything that happened happened at their house. If there was a church service to be had, it happened at their house. If there was a, a town meeting to be had, it was had at their house. And if there were women in the area who were about to give birth well, they put all the women there, kicked the men out, and said, okay, we'll bring in the midwife and, and we'll make this a hospital for a short time. And that's what they did. And so finally, Caleb Emmert, the station master, said, you know what, we really need uh, a place where we can meet and gather. I will give the land, 
I will personally raise the money, and my family and I will build you a church. But there is one thing that I am asking this congregation to put in their doctrine. And the congregation said, well, you know, what more could there be? And he said, I want you to put that no man shall own another in your doctrine. And that was the United Methodist Church. And they did. Shirley, how did you find out about Karen? How did you learn about Karen? Well, it's really a funny story um, because, you know, there's still an underground railroad um, going on out there. And I say that because only the only thing is that now, instead of it being whispered, it is shouted. Um, I know a man in Washington, and that man in Washington knows Karen. And he put me in touch with her. And and that is how the Underground Railroad worked. And that it's still working today. Like people with like minds and hearts have come together to keep it going. They certainly find one another, don't they? Yes, Surely, we do. How, how did yes, you we get do. Into, what was your interest and how did you get involved in this project and this work? My husband and I were looking for a house with history. We, in 1980, we bought the the house. And we bought it because it had this history. Do you recall what stood out uh, about your research back then? I'm sorry? I didn't hear what you said. Uh, do you remember what stood out for you? What stood out for me? A couple of things stood out for me. Um, I, I had always seen Harriet Tubman as pretty stoic and um, tough, the way most of us see her, you know. And I was in love with the romantic aspects of her life. I thought it was important that she was truly a well-rounded woman, um, certainly extremely powerful, but that does not take away from personal um, fulfillment and needs. And so that stood out. It also stood out that she was, a, a huge part of Civil War activity, and she was a spy, and she um, designed battle and led troops. She led 800 troops and rescued 700 enslaved people in in South Carolina at one point. Um, through during the Civil War, she um, led 300 people to take. Um, torpedoes, basically. They were torpedoes, water mines is what they're called, and lift them out of the Kambahi River and put them up on, on, on the bank and then set fire to 50 miles of rebel plantation and then bring out 700 people who were now freed because of this activity onto three gunboats that that they had. So that fascinated me, too. Um, she was amazing, and I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to to study her and to portray her. Um, and and my intention is to make it relevant because there are a lot of people who think history has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with us now. It informs us about the past, the present, and the future, actually. And so, um, as I said, I'm grateful for this. And uh, I understand she was quite innovative in her strategies as a conductor on the uh, Underground Railroad. Do you recall any of her uh, strategies that stand out for you? 
Well, she was a master of disguise, that's for sure. Um, and she she actually composed songs as well. And and so there were, of course, me- messages that were sent that weren't obvious to um, the slaveholders. And I'm trying to think of... of I, I think the disguise is the most important element. She was daring, you know, she... she she traveled, I know this was important to me, she traveled in the winter a lot. And, you know, so it's snow and cold and, and traveling at night when, you know, you, you won't be detected. And and um, having to bring children with, with her and, and keep them quiet and um, just, just going back. I mean, there were a few times, it's interesting, I, when I was writing the play, Sometimes I would get exhausted and go, this is just too much. And I'd go, are you walking from Maryland to Canada, Karen? What is your problem? <laughs> so, you know, put it in context, okay? <laughs> and and so just having that resolve and the belief that people, she was for social justice, period, and having the belief that people had the right to, to be free. And she also, because she was injured, suffered from um, from spells. And so she would pass out. And still, people followed her, and, and and she she had vision and used them to inform her. So she was spiritually connected. She was physically connected. She was mentally impressive on every level. There was nothing wrong with Harriet Tubman. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned that uh, she wrote songs. Are you familiar with any quilts that she might have designed? Uh, as her, as she worked in the Underground Railroad, and you um, said, I'm sorry, the quilts. Hey, yeah, quilts. Oh, quilts. I don't know that she designed quilts. I don't know. I know. I know. I try to know about quilts and and the Underground Railroad. I am not familiar, and she may well have done them. I don't know, but I'm not familiar with that. No. But I do know about the quilts. I do know about the coded quilts, and I use them sometimes when I'm working with young people and I'm teaching them about the Underground Railroad. Tell us a little bit um, about those coded quilts. I'm sorry? I'm Tell having a hard time hearing you. I'm sorry. Tell us a little bit about the quoted the coded okay, quilts. So, all right. So the quilts would, would have, a, a, for instance, um, they'd have a design that would take you from one safe house to another. And... They would um, there'd be um, I'd say symbols or images. So you know you look for this tree on the left side of the house, and the 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 shutters are, are green or those kinds of things that would be encoded into the quilt so that um, people could follow them, and they use them all the time. Yeah, they did. And there, uh, there, there, there's a wonderful book, and I, I can't think of it, the name of it right this second, but if you go online, you can find it about the coded quilt, and it's really great. Are you aware of the um, the number of trips that she might have made? Uh, there seems to be some controversy among scholars as to number. Right. The there, you know, there's a lot of controversy. I like the 19 and I like the 300 people. I think we as a people need that, and it's important that we celebrate 
our power and our tenacity, and on this particular day, Harriet. And so I know there there, there have been some um, contradictions and saying it's, it's fewer than this and less than that, but our heroes and sheroes that risk their lives and did even if you've done one trip, quite frankly, that's how I feel about it, that we celebrate and honor her and we honor all the people. And there's so many people who worked on the Underground Railroad um, from so many diverse backgrounds that to to marginalize it or make it less than it was, I'd, ra- I'd rather go in the other direction personally. I'd rather... Up with the, she made 500 trips and rescued 5,000 people. I'm good with that. Um, I think that our stories get um, put into a context sometimes that are, that are limiting, and they don't serve to remind us of who we are and the power that we have and the power that we evolve from. Any 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 of us that are still standing came from some mighty strong stuff. What do you think about her day in Delaware? I think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And I I I want her day to be everywhere. I've been working on that actually. I I also see I, I know that you know I'm about to go I'm gonna be in Maryland shortly and I'm bringing this up I'll get back to Delaware. But in Maryland um they have, and this is going to be the seventh annual celebration of Harriet Tubman, um, and they've had it every, every year. It's usually at the end of March, but this mm-hmm. year it's going to be at the beginning of April, and it's a day that honors her that they've been doing, and the Emmett Pearson Safe House um, has had this going on, and there are many places. I know that right now in, in South Carolina, in North Carolina, in Portland, um, I'm trying to remember where else, in um, in New York, that there are these celebrations going on. In Boston, there's a huge one going on in Boston. I just found out about that one. There are actually two going on in Boston. So she's being celebrated, and I think Delaware is wonderful. I, I sent them an email saying, I'm there with you in spirit. Um Everywhere that Harriet can, can can be celebrated and and her legacy um, continued and um, lifted up, particularly on this day, I'm for. And next year, um, on purpose, the productions did something where we've had um, an international day of theater to celebrate Harriet Tubman today, and we're going to do it next year at the closing of the hundredth anniversary of her passing. And so there are theaters throughout the country that are doing readings of Harriet's to be turned. So I am ecstatic about this, and I'm glad that so many people, um, the National Association of Colored Women, which still exists and she helped her found that, um, is having a big celebration right now as well. So, yeah, I think it's great. Our listeners might be interested to know also that in Delaware there's been a uh, byway Name right. Her, her, and they'll be doing a tour uh, along that uh, underground right. railroad. And a walk. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a walk and a motorcycle ride, and it's just it's just wonderful. Now you mentioned something about a national organization. Could you like the National Association of Colored Women? Yeah. Who are they? Yes. What's... 
Okay, well, the National, in, in 1896, Harry Tubman and many other people, Alice Lord Dunbar, uh, Ida B. Wells, many, many, many people went to Washington, D.C. to start the, the, nat, uh, uh, the National Association of Colored Women. It's now called the National Association of Colored Women's Club. And there's a woman named Evelyn Rising who is the president. And they're doing significant work, and they're doing a substantial celebration of her life today as well. But that 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 organization still exists. And um, in 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 the play, it's mentioned because um, in, in that moment, Harriet realized she knew before that she'd done significant work, but she realized how many people from across this country and abroad respected and honored and cherished her and lifted her up. And they called her Mother Harriet, and she she wanted to be a, a mother to birth, um, but she was a mother to masses of people way beyond the number of children she could have personally had. So it was a, a huge moment for her, and I think it's significant that organization, which she helped to found, still exists. You know, John Brown, uh, the abolitionist, referred to her as General Tubman. Right. Uh, right. What other activities was she involved in after slavery in addition to this National Association of Colored Women? She was actually involved with children, absolutely, with founding schools, and, and, and she would go to schools and teach what she knew. She, she, she was a master herbalist, and um, she just knew how to do all kinds of things. And so she would help to get schools started. She worked with women's rights and voting. She worked, of course, with um, uh, people of color asserting themselves in through politics and in, in on a local and national and international level. In fact, Queen Victoria sent her a medal and a shawl and tickets. She, she never went to England, but the medal and shawl she certainly cherished. Um, she's known internationally. She she was friends with um, Mrs. Lincoln. She had issues with President Lincoln. She felt he was very slow to act um, and and too cautious in not being aggressive enough with um, ending slavery and annihilating those who were against ending slavery, just wiped them out. And so she had an issue with him, but she came to respect him. And mm-hmm. she, um, as, as, as I said, she worked with women's rights and, and the suffrage movement, and that became an, an issue because there was some racism within that. Um, she also, I learned, I've, I've become... Um, friends with Mrs. Copes Johnson, who had a really wonderful article in the USA Today. Who was that author? Who was that? Her name is Pauline Copes Johnson, and she's Harriet Tubman's great-grandniece, and she lives in Auburn, New York. Okay. And there was an article, it was in the Friday newspaper, which I guess is the last paper for USA Week. I think it's the five days. But there's a great article, right, when you open the front page, there it is about um, the Harriet Tubman home in Auburn and the work that they're doing there. And she told me that Harriet Tubman required guards 
throughout her life that she would slip slip away, but because people did not get over the fact that she liberated so many people, um, they they wanted her dead, and and so she needed some protection sometimes. Um, but again, she was a master of disguise, and she slipped away. And she also the other thing that she did, which I thought was amazing. Um, she acquired 25 acres of land, and um, she built a laundry and a cookhouse. She was an entrepreneur, so she had a laundry, a cookhouse, a bakery, an infirmary, uh, which, which she named after John Brown, the John Brown Infirmary. And she helped him with strategizing uh, Harper's Ferry. And she was supposed to go, but she got extremely sick, and she couldn't do it. And she felt that really it was, God, her voice is protecting her, or else she too would have perished. And um, so, so back to the and, and she had a home for aged and indigent Negroes, and she she cared for people her whole life. And the other, you know, I, I mentioned the romance earlier. She remarried, and it was a, a man that she'd actually met him during the Civil War, and his name was Nelson Davis, and. He came to live there, and he could do anything. He was really a jack-of-all-trades, and they married. And he was 20 years younger than she was. And uh, he he passed away in 1898. Um, but I love that because, again, that sense of, of personal fulfillment that wasn't necessarily in service. It, it was actually... For her, and I, I, I was happy about that for her, and I, ne- I never knew that about. I didn't even know she had a first husband. I thought she was born a cousin. I didn't know that. Okay, that earlier you. you- okay, so and I'm what trying about- to find out. What about some of the quotes that are attributed to her in reference to uh, her packing a gun and threatening to shoot anyone, any of the uh, passengers right. who refused right. to they'd go have on? To, they, they'd have to go on or die because um, basically they couldn't. she couldn't afford to have people find out, you know, where the safe houses were or... Um, or leave anyone behind. So she would have to threaten them. As far as I know, she didn't kill anyone. Um, and, I mean, there are a lot of quotes that are attributed to her. I purposely not use them so that I don't have to um, bear in mind. A lot of the work that I've done is taking the history and taking the true story. And I say this piece is, between 75 and 80% true about Harriet Tubman, and then the other 20% to 25% is true, but not necessarily specifically about Harriet Tubman. And so I purposely did not quote her. And I never say this is a biography. It is based upon the legendary life of Harriet Tubman. Um, there, there are quotes about I could have freed you know, so many more people that this is, this is paraphrasing. Um, if mm-hmm. they'd known that they were slaves. And so she was extremely bright and she recognized that people um didn't 
And I, I say this, this, this is true of most of us. Most of us have some sort of enslavement that we either don't recognize or feel we can't get out of and we push it in back. And it can be any kind of, it can be a mental, emotional, spiritual, physical enslavement that we put upon ourselves or given to us. You know, your family can hold you back. Relationships, your own sense of, of being can do that. And she recognized that. And she recognized that given the opportunity to um, explore and express your full potential, once that just, you know, the size of a mustard seed and that faith kicks in, um, people would then be free and go forward. So that's what she did. She she helped people to plant that seed and she helped people to get to where they needed to be to fully express themselves and to fully be themselves. And then she was encouraged, too. Her parents were not slouchers. Her parents were um, involved, and they 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 told her, particularly her father, a lot about freedom and, and, and encouraged her. Her mother, who had children sold into, well, sold further south into slavery and, and sold away from her, um, felt in some ways. Um, I'd say, I want to use the word remorseful, but I'm not sure that's it, but cautious, cautious, because she didn't want to lose any more of her family. And what about, yet, she had what about, the bounty? About it. what about the bounty that she had on her? She had a $40,000 bounty on, on her head, which is huge, millions of dollars, comparatively speaking now. And um, it didn't stop her. It did not stop her. Uh, we were talking earlier about some of the strategies, and you mentioned that she was uh, involved in keeping babies quiet that she had on the road. Um, I understand that she might have been given the babies paragoric. Right, because she was a master herbalist, so she, she wasn't giving them what they couldn't tolerate. She knew how to, to use herbs and, and, and leaves and bark and various teas and make all kinds of tinctures. And she knew what she was doing. She wasn't poisoning children. I'll put it that way. That wasn't happening. She she knew the right dosages and how to to um, monitor and take mm-hmm. care of children. She, she knew how to lead her her people. She knew what she was doing, and 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 she had help. You know, the Underground Railroad was a huge network of people. Um, and who were some of the prominent? Um well, William Still, of course, and William, when, when, when she went to Philadelphia, she met William, William Still, and that's how she got involved. Actually, he was talking about um, a couple that was trying to escape, and it turned out that couple and was her sister, Anne-Marie, and her family, and that sent her back, and she wanted to get her husband, and she went back to get her husband, and he had remarried. And he was married to someone named Carol. And it's, it's interesting. I did this play in uh, in Alabama, the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, and one of John Tubman's descendants came to the piece. Her name is Jan Tubman. And she stayed after because she wanted to talk to me. And she said, you did my family proud, which made me very happy because John Tubman had a different um, take on, on, li- on liberation. He was free. And he felt as though Harry didn't know where she was going and why would you take a risk to go north and you don't know what that is and it might not be what you think it is. And, of course, it wasn't fully what she thought it was. But 
um, you know, I got on this to, to you asked a question and I was trying to answer it now. I don't remember. Um, but, but she understood her people and she understood what freedom was and what the need was and what the power of being in charge of your own life and that it's a birthright that's given from spirit. It's not from a human being that's doing you a favor or, or, or understanding you or, or um, being kind. It's a right. And that being enslaved is um, a condition, not a, a true reality. And our realities come from inside, and we 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 access our true selves, and we and we and we become that self, and then our life becomes our own. And that's what she did. What can you tell us about her religious faith? I understand that she was somewhat of a mystic and. Had visions and right, right. She was a mystic. I mean, in in in, in traditional, she was part of the A.M.E. Zion Church, um, but she was a mystic. Some people attribute it to the the, the hit she took in, in the head when she was helping someone who was running away. Um, she had visions. She was spiritual. She listened to her visions and she paid attention to them. And we all have that. I I I know it. Um, we all have guidance. Sometimes we're told, turn left, don't do that, and, and we don't listen. Harriet listened, and that guided her throughout her life, and she very much depended on that. And um, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, could you give out your contact information for us? Sure. Um, there, there are a couple of ways. One is Karen Jones Meadows, which is K-A-R-E-N-J-O-N-E-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S, now, you have to add the now, and that's a Facebook page, so it's Facebook, Karen Jones Meadows dot now. now. Um, my email is on purpose, O-N-P-U-R-P-O-S-E, now, at cs dot com. And my, I have a website, which is being redone, but it's Karen Jones Meadows dot com. And I'll, I'll give you my phone number, which is 505-866. Seven, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the the question you asked me about her Bible, which is which is interesting. She has, you know, there are a lot of say, artifacts, and 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 um, I've been to the Harry Tubman home in Auburn, and when I was imagining the play, I imagined her it's called a settee or couch. And I imagined it was red. And when I went there, it was. And and that's, that's that guidance I'm talking about that we all mm-hmm. have. And I went with it. I didn't, you know, ignore it. I decided that's what she had, and it was nice when it was there. And so, as I said, she listened to her her guidance when she was told. This is interesting. Um, she was friends with um, Garrett, of course, and... He, she went to, she'd go there to get shoes, and and after John Brown died, um, he he was writing a, a tribute to him, and she went there and she walked in and said, "I want my, I, I forgot the exact denomination, but between twenty five and twenty six dollars, um, and." 
someone from Scotland had sent it to her, and she just knew it. And he said, you know, you, you never cease to amaze me. She just knew it. And so that's the kind of guidance that she believed, she trusted, and was true for her. I know that there, you know, there are several things in, in, in her home um, that they're actually restoring. Um, and, and where is that home? It's in Auburn, New York. Auburn, New and York. It's in Auburn, and it, 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 I was there, and it's amazing. Anyone who gets the chance to go, it's outside of Syracuse, and Skinny Atlas is near there, and um, Rep, Rep, Reverend Carter um, and, and, and his wife, whose first name escapes me now, I'm so sorry, but I can't even write right this second. Um, it, it will come to me. Uh, the, the caretakers there, and um, they are doing an excavation of the grounds, and there, there, there's a stream, and I did walk along part of that stream that led to the John Brown Infirmary, and the, the home for aged and indigent Negroes is still there. And her house is still there. As I said, they're renovating it. And her stove is there. And the 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 um, the hallway and the staircase is so narrow because people were tiny. She was a tiny woman. She wasn't a big woman at all. Little. Um, but it's amazing. Her garden and adjacent to the church, um, the a- the Amy Zion Church that that she left the property to. I just wanted to let you know that there's an annual tribute to Harriet Tubman that revolutionary women in reggae have every year. And this year they're doing a three-day celebration of her life in honor of the 100th year of her passing. And they're going to have all kinds of artists. It's going to be in Roxbury, which is in Boston. And it's at the... Hymerian Hall, as it looks like, um, just came to me via Facebook. So you can look them up, Revolutionary Women and Reggae. And on March 10th, they're, they're doing a special tribute, but the whole weekend is about Harriet Tubman. And then there's a woman named Natalie Dayes, I hope I'm saying her name right, who does a piece called Becoming Harriet. And she is a storyteller. She's in Charleston. She's based in Charleston, but she travels quite a bit. She used to be on on the series Gullah Gullah Island. Um, Patson Art Theater, which is in Portland, is doing Harriet's Return. They're doing a reading of it um, on on the 13th. They're not doing it on the 10th. I know Tomorrow's Road was doing it today in Charlotte, um, and there's one in... Um, Get that one, Leslie. Okay. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know about those couple. And that's it. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. And, um, okay. and, and, and she was friends uh, also with, I'm sorry? She left her uh, to the AM Zion Church there in Auburn. Right. She actually said she left it to her. She left it part of it to her. And so okay. it's, it's right there. And, Did she spend um, any significant time in Canada? You, oh, yes. She lived in um, St. Catherine, Canada. And um, that's, when she well, she went back and got her, 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 her parents, who were 
up in age at that point, and they went over to St. Catherine, and so there's a home there, and there's a historic site there, and um, and a church there, of course. And then she moved over to Auburn, New York. And when I went to her grave site, and there's um, the tree that I'm going to use the word blesses her grave is mammoth. And I was told they didn't have much money, so it was a little twig. It's the biggest tree in the cemetery now. It's just massive. There's a is lovely. That in, is that in she was she was buried with military honors, and um, later on a headstone was placed. And um, yeah, so and she, she was friends with Seward, um, who was Secretary of State. And I went to his home, and he had all kinds of wonderful artifacts there too. And 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 he traveled the world, and so there are there are pictures from people, ambassadors, and everything from all, all over the world. And and he he was instrumental with helping her to get land and property because that was pretty unusual too. She got a, she did there's a lot of wonderfully unusual unusual things for a person who's been enslaved for a woman for a person, of, a, per, a person of African descent, and she was Ghanaian. In fact, she was installed posthumously a few years ago, and the woman I was speaking about, Pauline Cope Johnson, um, went and went in as, I'll use the word her, her surrogate, I guess is the right term, um, to 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 receive the posthumous installment and honor as Mother Harriet in Ghana. Are there any other Harriet Tubman sites that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, we're very appreciative of your joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule, uh, Karen Jones Meadows, playwright and actress. And if you want honor. to catch, I'm sorry. I just said the honor is mine. I, I appreciate the opportunity to to share. I love the work that you and Leslie do. I think it's it's just so significant. It's unique and it's needed and I'm grateful, so thank you. And it's people like you that make this possible. And um our listeners might be interested to know if you're in the Boston area at the Randalltown, Massachusetts, April fifth. Maryland, Maryland. Randallstown, Maryland. Okay, did you say Nolantown? Randallstown, Maryland, not, oh, not Randallstown, Maryland. I'm sorry. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've been taking notes here, and I've got them kind of mixed up, but it is and April that's, Right, that's Friday night, and then Saturday at the Emmett Pierpont home, the safe house. Great. And if they want to get in touch with you, you've given up your... Um, Contact information and right. that address is on purpose now. Mm-hmm. At CS. At CS. Dot and Charles, S is in Sam, dot com. Okay. And then my Facebook page, too, the Facebook Karen Jones Meadows now, because there's a lot there. There's pictures, there's, there's video, there's all kinds of things there. And I'll be posting updates, especially as, you know, as this, um, this Maryland date comes closer, and, and um, I'm with the Supix tour. I told you we're wonderful. See, I told you. And then she came on, and she was as wonderful as I told you she was. <laughs> and I want to remind our listeners to mark their calendar 
the Gist of Freedom will be broadcasting live at the LIU 150th Emancipation Proclamation Celebration with historian Harold Holzer. And his lecture is scheduled to start at March 21st, 1230, and again on April 14th. The Gist uh, of Freedom will display the Gist of Freedom or live at Pastor DeForest Soros' Church, First Baptist Church of Lincoln Garden. And that event is labeled as the Journey Towards Freedom. And that's going to be in Somerset, New Jersey. And also, check your calendar for this coming uh, Thursday, where again, the Gist of Freedom at 8 o'clock Eastern will continue with our reading of the Benjamin Quarles book, The Black Abolitionist. Thank you again. My name is Preston Washington. I've been your host, and good night, everyone.